9, 10 a.m. interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. I'm Dave Palmer, executive director here at the station. Cecil is running the board. And uh, every now and then, on during this time, we like to just feature a story about somebody who has come to know and love and uh, oftentimes uh, convert into the Catholic Church because uh, if you're a cradle Catholic like me, uh, sometimes you, you gotta hear these stories to realize what we have. Now, I love my Catholic faith, but, uh, I, uh, recently had a conversation, uh, at my parish with a gentleman by the name of Marcus Bell. And, uh, he has a wife, Melissa. They have three young boys and, uh, really fascinating story. In fact, if you heard our summer Sherathon, we highlighted Marcus's story about uh, the influence of Catholic radio on his conversion from Anglicanism. Uh, we're not going to focus specifically about that, but just want to hear his story so that we can just uh, re- be renewed in our appreciation of uh, the gift that we have in the Catholic Church. So, uh, Marcus, welcome back. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. Yeah, I, I think I told you, it reminded me of uh, like a Dr. David Anders, which is yeah. a, a great compliment because great. he's so brilliant. But, you know, the, the your intellectual depth mm. and understanding of the Catholic Church is uh, uh, amazing. And I'm hoping that we have, continue to have places for you on the radio because well, I think the, you have a real gift for that. Well, All right. So you came into the Catholic Church along with your wife, Melissa, just just a few East, months ago. Easter yeah, 2022. That's right. So yeah. you're, you are a baby, baby Catholic. We are. Yes, we are baby Catholics with three small boys who are also uh, baby, 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 <laughs> baby Catholics. So, yeah. 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 So let's go back. Uh, you're young. I, I don't sure. know how old you are. 32. You're, you're, okay. You're 32. Uh, in your early 30s. Um, and uh, so go back to your childhood. Okay. What, what, what kind of faith were you raised in? Uh, I was raised in a very loving Christian family. I mean, um, we were Baptist, broadly speaking. My parents were both raised Southern Baptist. But by the time I was uh, uh, an older child, around the age of 10, we were virtually what you'd call non-denominational. Mm-hmm. So you have a church that has a denominational influence. Typically speaking, it's going to be kind of Church of Christ or or Baptist, just without an affiliation. And uh, so it's going to have a flair of those types of churches as opposed to like you can't really have a non-denominational Episcopal church or Presbyterian mm-hmm. church because their traditions are too strong. Yeah, But in those churches, you have a real, almost a mere Christian focus on faith, like mm-hmm. individual faith, Yeah, which is good for any Christian uh, of any stripe to have an individual personal faith. And so I was raised in that atmosphere. I was raised in that culture. My family, we, we, we read scriptures together. We were immersed in Bible stories. My father, he... Uh, was in uh, the 1980s and 90s children's Christian entertainment, which to the Catholic world is almost, uh, it, it took a while for that to come about in the Catholic world, but it was very big in the evangelical world mm. um, during the 80s and the 90s. And so I spent my childhood traveling around to different churches a couple times every month. Um, my father was on the road and we would fly to meet with him and just to be there with him. Did you like it? Oh, I loved it. So, my, you, so you were not being dragged around. You I were, mean, you I was were, being dragged around, but I loved it some of the <laughs> but time. You, but you loved not only the entertainment and the travel. Did you did you love the faith? I, I love mean. the faith. I spent time at Billy Graham Crusades because my dad would um, do shows in those as well. Yeah. And so I was always hearing the gospel. Um, I was hearing uh, the good news of Jesus. Uh, I was, uh, from a very young age, aware of his love for me and his presence in my life. And uh, uh, so... Yeah, we, we traveled around doing that and we were exposed to many different churches. So as I got, as I was younger, that didn't really mean much to me. We would just mm-hmm. go and set up in a, in a stadium for a big 
conference or crusade, like the Billy Graham crusades, or uh, we would be going to churches and setting up there. And so I would notice little differences here and there about the, the styles of worship. But for the most part, it wasn't until I got a little older when I could say things that might cause offense mm-hmm. or, or, or point out a difference in a service, because we would always stay for the Sunday service, too, because yeah, we yeah. they, they were good hosts, we were good guests. And so as I got a little older, I would just notice some of the difference. But one of the things I did notice um, that, that mattered more to me was that, well, these people love the Lord. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so that was kind of what uh, what kind of molded my faith was just kind of that simple love of the Lord, his love for me, following him, being faithful. And uh, so that kind of gets me up to my teenage years when my dad kind of stopped doing that. And I, um, like any teenager, did teenage things and uh, uh, and had my season of rebellion, you know, and God willing, teen, teens don't have to have that. Yeah. But I'm just noticing that that seems to be yeah. pretty yeah. common. And, uh, and, but the whole time I had this special grace of the knowing the nearness of God to me and that he pursued me even when I ran away. I mean, this is, mm-hmm. this is the good shepherd, right? Yeah. Who goes out looking for the one sheep. We'll leave the 99 to find the one and bring him back. And so, uh, I was always keenly aware of that. And by God's grace, I never had a, uh, uh, an issue with, uh, like an intellectual switch where I went from, uh, where I tied my rebellion to God to a, convenient um, denial of God. Mm -hmm. I knew God was real. I knew he was there. I knew he was after me. And, uh, and so after, you know, a couple of years of that, um, I, I had a, my problem would be my first real, almost uh, adult encounter with the Lord. And what I mean is um, a a kind of a tangible experience with, with grace, Mm -hmm. with mercy. And uh, it doesn't negate my childhood, it, it just is one of those ones where it was, it, it was in that time period where you're a teenager and you're about to become a, a young adult. And yeah. so I, um, I met the Lord in, uh, in a very profound way, um, by his spirit and his word in my bedroom after going to a, a small group for young men, um, through my church and just seeing their love and pursuit of God. And I, I, uh, I had this, um, this great grace poured out on me where I just wept for my sins. Yeah. And uh, I wept all night and I read the Bible for, for hours. And I just had this picture of, and I wasn't a charismatic at the time. We'll get there in a second. I wasn't a charismatic yet, but I had this picture of the Lord standing over me. And as I was weeping, he was weeping too, but mm-hmm. his tears were tears of joy. So though I was like, though I was feeling, um, I was in a place of repentance in my heart there was joy too. It wasn't grief. It was joy. Yeah. And so I, it really, I, I changed overnight by God's grace. Um, virtually within a week, I had totally changed. How old were you at living. this point? I was 16 at this point. 16. 16. Okay. So, so a young quite, man. Yeah. Quite early on, quite early on. And, and, uh, so it was kind of an early rebellion of 14 to 16, yeah. so to speak, yeah. and, you know, and, uh, you know, God willing, that's not something that it should be a common thing, but I mean, I mean, you know, Lord have mercy, but, and I have three boys too. So I'm yeah. trying not to let that consume my mind, but, but, um, the faithfulness of the Lord is what, what I should keep on my mind now as a parent. And, um, and so, uh, so yeah, I, I, I quickly changed, uh, by his grace and, and, uh, I kind of alluded to this in our, in our last conversations where, um, there were, 
people in my church who when I would explain things like I just explained to you or I was explaining something akin to a vision, right? Yeah, but not yeah. quite a vision. I wouldn't claim it that, but it was an image I had in my heart and in my mind. Uh, they thought that was a little weird. You know, they thought it was a little weird. <laughs> and and yeah. so the, the people who didn't find it weird were the people who were a little more charismatic in the church. And so I did the next great thing after having a, having a short time of, of maturing as I became immature again. And I left my church because it didn't fit. It didn't yeah. fit. You know, I, yeah. I found another group who were more charismatic and also loved the Lord. And, um, and I ended up in that phase of my life meeting my wife. Okay. And at this okay. time I was, I was 18. Okay. And I met my wife. Is this college or? Uh, no, this is pre-college. Okay. Pre-college. pre-college. I was still in high school, uh, about to graduate. And we met doing the same ministry. It was a, uh, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the prayer and worship movement, but it's uh, it's something the Catholic Church has always been doing, which is praying night and day. Yeah. <laughs> but but you can start to see where the spirituality, this Catholic spirituality, mm-hmm. comes in, and and I have many friends still in it, and there are many holy, good um, uh, Christian Protestant Christians in it. And uh, I met my wife there, and you would lead two hour sets of worship. And this is a long time, so basically you're going to play your songs, and then you're going to end up just playing mm-hmm. something. Yeah, and you're going to be yeah. usually kind of singing and 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 praying and uh, uh, what we would call prophesying, but it mostly was centered around the word, like well, making yeah, declarations in tongues. Would that be part of it? Too? Sometimes, yeah. but not typically from a guitar. I mean, not yeah. from not in the leading, not yeah. in the leading of okay. it. It was more of that. That was a definitely part of the spirituality of the individuals there. But really, what you were set to do was to lead worship for two hours, and the idea was that you were ministering directly to the Lord. And they would base this off of David's tabernacle. Okay. Right. Okay. The presence of the Lord and David yeah. hires all these Levites to surround it day and night and to worship and adore him. So these were the language we use for this was adoration. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. can see how this stuff starts to kind of build on to bringing me to a, a Catholic spirituality. Right, at least. right. And so uh, we would, the idea was that let's, let's adore the Lord for 24 hours to 72 hours nonstop. It never stops. You just kind of trade out musicians and uh, you're 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 declaring scriptures in a kind of a prophetic manner, reading the Psalms. Uh, Sounds pretty exciting. It was super I mean, exciting. Yeah, it yeah. was it was awesome. Was and, it emotional? Like uh, like you know, a, a, you a, like, you can be emotional, but not for two hours. You know what I mean? So that was actually the good thing. It was <laughs> yeah. it was you know it, it, there's that hype. You're young. It's yeah. exciting. Yeah, it's new, and yet that only lasts so long, and you're gonna end up being up there and you're going to be like, well, surely this two hours is over. And you look down and it's only been 45 minutes and you mm-hmm. still have another hour and 15 minutes. And so they were actually pretty slow burns, like yeah. slow burning yeah. type things. And you, uh, so I had a lot of sweet, um, and really meaningful times with the Lord, um, in those. And so my wife and I met doing one of those. I, she was controlling the sound and I'm bad at that stuff. And so she, uh, helped me, uh, set up, and we met. She asked me if I wanted to go on a mission trip, and I thought she was really pretty. So I said, of course <laughs> so I'll go on that yes. mission trip. I didn't go on that mission trip, but uh-huh. but we did end up doing mission stuff together later on. Yeah. And so we got married a year later. Okay. And uh, and you're still in your teenager years? No. So at this point, well, I got married uh, at 19. Oh, so okay. So I was 19 then. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then we uh, were still, we ended up working for this ministry. Yeah, yeah. Actually working for it. And uh, uh, it was in that it was kind of in that situation where we started, um, we started thinking through some things, mm-hmm. um, mostly because when you're sitting there, if there's like, if there's a 24 hour nonstop worship service and each, each 
two hours is split up by another team, you're hearing 12 different people sing different songs, yeah. uh, pray different prayers, and most of it harmonizes. But every once in a while, you'll hear some things that contradict. Yeah. And then ever so often, you'll hear something like, that's not right. Yeah. You know, you kind of a tick in the spirit. And at this point, I had no uh, formal theological education. I'd always just been hungry. You know, mm-hmm. I read some C.S. Lewis when I was a teenager, read Tolkien when I was a kid. You know, so I was in, being informed by certain you know, paradigms that involve theology and, and different levels of truth. Uh, uh, and so, I just got me wondering, well, what do I believe about this? Yeah. What do I believe about this thing? Um, you know, for me, the whole point of me being involved in the ministry that we were involved in, which, like I said, has many really godly, wonderful people in it, was the thought uh, that, man, I just want to worship God and I want to be near his presence. Yeah. I want to adore him and be loved, love him and be loved by him. I want to know him and be known by him. And, uh, and that was it. But then when I started realizing, well, of course, like any ministry, there's going to be some theological underpinnings for why this is valid. It got me wondering, mm-hmm. you know, not, a, not about whether, you know, the gifts of the Spirit have ceased or anything like that. But, but well, that treatment of the Bible verse, specifically, specifically Amos 9, uh, I think it's 9-11, 9-10, about David's fallen tent mm-hmm. being restored. So the idea was that let's start a worship and prayer movement and and that'll be kind of like an end like an end of days thing where people will be worshiping night and day all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, that might be a third interpretation, like a third order interpretation of that. But this is talking about Christ. Yeah, you know, David's fallen tent is Christ's body, right? And and it's his resurrection. And then the tent pegs are extended, and all of the nations are drawn underneath that tent. Mm. And so uh, we. We ended up slowly kind of being less involved with that ministry until we stopped working with it. But at the time, we um, that was kind of our first initial experience of the pain of leaving behind a ministry, yeah, a community yeah. of people. And um, so, yeah, that's... Was well, this the time that Anglicanism kind of enters into the, the picture? It is, uh, very quickly, yeah. like, very quickly, because it was after that that we were introduced to Anglicanism. But before that, we had experience with orthodoxy because we'd gone to Turkey and done mm-hmm. some mission work there, had friend, missionary friends that lived there. So a more liturgical-based, that, that, is that what you were appeal was yeah, being all attracted sudden, to? Yeah, all of a sudden I realized, well, there's a history of Christianity. I want to, surely that should inform me as a Christian. Yeah. And so kind of went searching there, and it wasn't until, uh, I think, basically a year after stepping down officially from that ministry we worked with and loved so much, uh, that we went to our first Anglican or Episcopal liturgy yeah. over in Dallas, and it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was high church. It was incense. There was people bowing, and I way it's like bowing and scraping, but I mean that in a good way. They're bowing. They seem really, really sincere. They're crossing themselves. I'd never seen any of this before, but yeah. I immediately thought as a charismatic, this is very charismatic. Yeah. Now, could you just have easily gone into a Catholic church at that point, or did you have a, a bit of a resistance to becoming Catholic? You wanted to stay Protestant or what was the, what were your the, thoughts on Catholicism at that point? My in your thoughts life? on Catholicism were basically non-existent. Yeah. So it was one of those things where, uh, and you find this a lot, I think with Protestants is that it's, um, especially ones who are more from that non-denominational world. It's not that they have a theological um, supposition that keeps them from Catholicism. It's that they only experience with Catholicism is what they see in media. Mm-hmm. And so to them, it's not even a serious alternative. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, you know, if I had waited a little longer, I probably would have walked into a Catholic mass yeah. or a church yeah. or something. 
And if, and if you would have asked me back then, of course, I would have had some anti-Catholic sentiments, but nothing visceral, nothing I held on to by, um, uh, uh, you know, conviction, mm-hmm. just stuff I'd seen in movies yeah. or something. And so we got involved in the Anglican church and uh, the Episcopal church. And then we very quickly realized we can't do that because of um, all of the heretical teachings and practices that they participate in over yeah. there on, on a large scale. So early on, you recognize that. From day one, I went home and I Googled the Episcopal church and I decided a couple weeks after that, we got to move on. But, and, you, but, uh, but you stayed in for quite some time, didn't you? We you, did, but we went, be, to, yeah. we went to the conservative, uh, yeah. it's called the Anglican Church in North America. They right. split off from the Episcopal Church in, the, in 2008 because okay. of all sorts of political stuff right. and, uh, or spiritual stuff that had political ramifications. And so we found one right down the street from us. We'd lived in our apartment for three years at this point and, uh, and all of a sudden realized that there's a beautiful church right down the street. And we went in. And we got met by the most loving community, uh, the, the, the worship and the, the, the place of scripture in worship yeah. spoke to our hearts and fed us. And, uh, and we, we, got so, we got super involved. And um, all along that way, though, I was, I was being influenced by uh, Catholic teaching because uh, Anglicanism has this weird identity where you— uh, where you consume a lot of Catholic writing, uh-huh. and then if it's prior to the Reformation, it's yours. You can claim it. If it's after that, you might be able to claim it, depending on whether you're high church or low church, mm-hmm. yeah. whether you're called what they call Anglo-Catholic or they call or more Reformed. Mm-hmm. And so we, uh, we, uh, I was, I was very much a devotee of what's called the Oxford Movement, the Oxford Fathers, which is where yeah. John Henry Cardinal mm-hmm. Newman, yeah, he, St. John Henry Newman, and, comes from. Right, right. He comes from that movement, and it was a restoration movement of of the Church of England um, after what we know as the kind of the Wesleyan period. Yeah, right. Yeah. They all grew up as Wesleyans. They Would came, like G.K. Chesterton have been involved in that? He was or? a little older. I mean, a little, okay. little younger. Younger. Okay. So he would be that generation between like Tolkien and Lewis. Yeah, and then your. Uh, uh, and then your John Henry Newmans would be old men when Chesterton yeah. were young men. Yeah. And so, yeah. So you get into diaconate formation. Mm-hmm. You decide, you and Melissa decide that the priesthood would be a good thing for you uh, within right. the Anglican uh, order. So yeah. um, that's a big decision. That, that's big your vocation, right? That's going to be the rest of your right. life. You're going to be a priest. That's right. And so I got, I, I got um, approved by what's called the standing committee at that point for vocations. And uh, at that point, we had been in the church for about two years and uh, was going to every Saints Day service, very involved with the Book of Common Prayer, which you can pray morning and evening office. I was immersed in it. I'd never been to this day that has informed my whole life more mm-hmm. than any other thing, more than any other kind of culture um, surrounding like worship and spirituality. And so, so we... Uh, I get involved. I'm, I'm now in seminary and I'm taking seminary courses and now I'm drinking from a fire hose and I'm wondering, I'm wondering, uh, I'm asking questions. Yeah. Because it's the first time where I'm asked. Out name, loud or, or just Out loud and okay. to myself. More, okay. more like nail biting to myself because I'm like, well, what's going on? You know, this is not, this, some of these things don't make sense to me. But uh, I, uh, I, uh, yeah, I heard Things that made me real, that made me uh, asked me to adopt kind of an anti-Catholic position that I didn't hold before that. So it was mm-hmm. weird. I was kind of working into 
not an anti-Catholic culture because Anglicans love Catholic Catholics. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're so similar. They're so yeah. similar. They love yeah. them, but but their whole structure of understanding themselves requires them to be different and similar. At the Don't same they kind of consider themselves almost Catholic? They do. I mean, they call themselves yeah. Reformed Catholics. Right, right. And but, it's it's a whole thing to unpack. But they don't some, believe in the obedience and the hierarchy, right? They and do. Would, would they be uh, loyal to the Holy Father as Anglicans no, or no? Not okay. as Anglicans, but most of them would consider them him to be a the rightful patriarch of the Western Church. Okay. They have okay. more of an orthodox understanding yeah. of the of the nature of the church that's more conciliar, but there's no there's no hierarchy, there's no uh, 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 magisterial authority of the Pope. Yeah. They'll just kind of view it as a conciliar nature with a body with no head. So yeah, liturgically very similar, Can be. but, uh, but Can no, be. no real, no, no, uh, real presence though. No real presence. That's right. Yeah. And that's all, that's all very touchy for the Anglicans because it's like saying, so you're saying I'm not legitimate. Yeah. And, and you're like, <laughs> if you want to use that language, you know, okay. we'll you go want, there. Yeah. If you want to use that language. And so I, um, yeah, can I, I ask you a quick question? Ahead, uh, and uh, we only have a few minutes, but sure. I want to get to the Catholic part. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Uh, and maybe you can give me a quick answer on this one. Uh, sure. what, what 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 about the whole King Henry VIII thing? I mean, is yeah. that uh, that's got to be a sticking point? Is it, it is the guy a, running around killing wives? I mean, the yeah. founder of a faith. I mean, uh, for it's, sure, it's it's a troublesome. It is troublesome, and I would say that uh, as Anglicans, no Anglican likes Henry VIII. Oh, really? And the Ang- yeah. English Reformation is so unique in that it took so long to do, basically almost a hundred years to really get down what is an Ang- Ang- what is an Anglican. Yeah, and uh, and so no Anglicans like that. However, they would say that uh, because of the primacy of Scripture, that even though he did all that he did, and as vile as it was, that the Anglican Church is still upholding Scripture and still its authority, its final authority yeah. is Scripture, and therefore. Uh, that whatever King Henry could do to it um, didn't violate the overall goal of the Reformation. Yeah, well, even is, we would say the you know the Catholic Church is bigger than the Pope. I mean, uh, the, sure. the leader, of course, the Pope didn't found the Church. That's right. Jesus. But right. uh, uh, we might have to have a part two of this interview because sure, yeah. I want to know all about your your Catholic life. Yeah. But let's in the time remaining talk about sure. taking that leap. You and Melissa okay. at some point said, you know what? Yeah. We gotta be Catholic. Tell right. tell me about that. Yeah, so I was involved in seminary and I like I said, I started reading stuff that made me force the question on some of this stuff both can't be true. Like some of this both of these things can't be true. Some stuff can coexist together, and there'd be some kind of theological tension, but there's too much here that's gonna that's gonna ask me to take a stand to be Protestant or to be Catholic, to be mm-hmm. with the church of the past five hundred years or a, a church of the past five hundred years or the church of two millennia. And so listening to um, uh, guys on Catholic Answers a lot at night, which was super great for me um, um, because it helped me to go through so many different things that I never thought to ask about. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I basically was ordained a deacon and I read the, uh, before that I read the uh, Apologia Pro Vita Sua, John Henry Newman's mm-hmm. apology for why he did what he did, his whole yeah. life's apology. <laughs> and I identified with almost every page, not saying I'm like John, Saint, yeah, Saint John Henry yeah. Newman. He is my patron saint, but, uh, but I, my heart, his heart speak, spoke to my heart. And I thought that was so fitting because that's his whole saying. Yeah. Heart speaks to heart. And so we, um, I kind of revisited over the years. I would tell my wife, I'm, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with this. And she would basically say, keep struggling with it because it was a lot to ask. And, and I'm really thankful that she did because I took a lot longer than I ever thought I would. But by 2020, I, I had a friend who, um, who was becoming uh, Catholic and I was sick and I asked 
in my delirium, I asked John Henry Newman to pray for me. Oh, I said, wow. St. John Henry Newman, please pray for me. Help me. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Or more, it was more of those prayers. I know what to do. I don't, but I don't have the strength to do it. And so I woke up that evening with no more fever. And, um, and I, uh, uh, read, I bought the, uh, told my wife, I'm going to read the catechism of the Catholic church. And I did it. And so I was from, from beginning from, to end, you read, read, read straight gonna, through. Yeah. But I was going to mark off things yeah. that I disagree with things that I had questions about. And I was just agreeing with all of it, all yeah. of it, all of it. And, uh, so I decided at that point, I decided yeah. at that point that, uh, I have to, I have to act. And yeah. then, and then the lockdowns happened. Yeah. And, so. you know, the, I, I, <laughs> every time you come in, I say, can we do another interview? Cause we've already done this one time, but I, uh, we've run out of time, but we've come to the point where maybe we could start sure. off, start the next one. Yeah, and, uh, uh, I apologize, but we have this time restraint. Uh, Marcus Bell has been my guest here in the interview of the week. And, Thank uh, you. I promise you, he became Catholic. Okay. We I'll, did. I'll, 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 spoiler alert, right? We did. And it's uh, been great. Yeah. King Catholic. He's uh, part of uh, my parish and, uh, just, uh, you can tell this is a, a great story, but, uh, we'll have part two and, uh, get the whole, uh, you know, the life as a Catholic and lockdown and, uh, what and how that, how that influenced and everything. But, uh, this has been the interview of the week and, uh, thanks for listening um and i hope this inspired you like uh it did his story certainly inspires me uh god bless you and um well uh, thank you for joining us for the interview of the week today god bless you the white rose women's center needs volunteers compassionate men and women to help convert the hearts of women wanting an abortion volunteer work includes counseling organizing baby and maternity clothes and other things we are also looking to hire a part-time sonographer together with our volunteer counselors our sonographers are a last line of defense for each precious unborn child if you are interested in joining our life-saving mission contact julie eichelman at 214-824-5942 this is Tony Bashara, president of Babich and Associates, a Texas-based, ESOP-owned professional placement and recruitment firm. My wife, Chris, and I are members of St. Thomas Aquinas and sponsors of KATH. You can visit our website, babich.com, where you will find information about the current employment market for both job seekers and employers. We can be reached at 214-823-9999. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the KTH uh, 9, 10 a.m. interview of the week and the Keys 1430 a.m. interview of the week. All right. So we're doing kind of a, a double dipping uh, two for one, you know, two for uh, where uh, I guess we should explain. <laughs> I, my name is Dave Palmer, executive director of uh, KTH 9, 10 a.m. And I am Cecil Anderson, the North Texas assistant, and I help run Keys 1430 a.m. in the Tyler Longview area. Yeah, and every t- uh, Saturday during this time block, uh, 3 o'clock, we play in Tyler Longview. We play one interview of the week, and in DFW, we play two. And so in this particular case, we're doing them together because basically the message that we wanted to give to both North Texas and to the Tyler Diocese is the same. And so we thought, well, why, you know, why reinvent the wheel? Why do it <laughs> twice? Let's do it one time. And then we just thought we'd have some fun with it. And so the topic of this interview is 
the summer speaker series. Yes. So you looked, and I honestly had a moment of that is what we're talking about, right? Yes, right. <laughs> the summer and, speaker series. And, and there's a, obviously a, there's a connection to the the Dallas Diocese because the, the event is going to be physically in the Dallas Diocese. Mm-hmm. If you're listening in Fort Worth, well, the event is in your neck of the woods, although you just got to drive to Dallas. And what's the connection to the Tyler Diocese? Uh, it's like, I think it has something to do with our speaker. He's like this bishop that I think hangs out in Tyler. Hangs out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's this Bishop Joseph Strickland, the uh, the our you know our shepherd here in Tyler. So yeah, so we want you to come, and it's going to be a lot of fun. It's this coming Thursday, uh, July twenty first, um, and the, we'll tell you all the deals, the, the you know the the, the details about it. Um, <clears throat> but we uh, encourage you right now, just you know, five days before the event when this airs, to go to summerspeakerseries.com, summerspeakerseries.com. And uh, buy your tickets. And I would especially, nothing, nothing against Dallas and Fort Worth, but it would be so cool if a few people from the Tyler Diocese would come and, you know, be with your shepherd, uh, mm-hmm. Bishop Strickland, who will be giving the talk on Thursday. Absolutely. And also be with other radio listeners and lovers uh, that you can come and meet as well. So, uh, yes, yeah, so summerspeakerseries.com is the website. And we, it's a good point thing to point out, Dave, that we're going to be cutting off ticket sales on Wednesday at midnight, right? Yeah, right. So. Midnight, uh, like like the, the the midnight, like at the end of Wednesday. Not the beginning. Not, not, not the beginning. <laughs> not There's the beginning. kind of two midnights uh, at, on, on each day. Uh, so yeah, when if you get into Thursday, like twelve oh one a.m. Thursday, well, tickets will be cut off. Uh, but uh, you can buy them now and all the way through, you know, like Cecil said, Wednesday at midnight. So what's the event uh, all about? Bishop Strickland will be the speaker. And it's going to be at the Frontiers of Flight Museum, which is basically on the the campus of um, Love Field, Field Airport. Yes. And it's a really cool uh, uh, museum. If you've never been there, there's like planes suspended in the air. And especially if you're into aviation and the, you know, the, the, that ex- ex- interests you and excites you, then uh, you definitely want to come, if nothing else, to see the museum. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's a really unique place to have an event like this. So not only are you going to get a fantastic talk, which we'll need to talk about the theme of that, but you're going to be surrounded by airplanes and a you know, little uh, also some space flight stuff as well. It's really, really cool. Um, but uh, Bishop Joseph Strickland's uh, talk is called Engaging in Battle, Empowering the Lady in 2022. So it's going to be a very powerful um, uh keynote that he's going to be giving during the evening uh, which is obviously what we're surrounding the whole event about but that's not all that's going to happen that night yeah there's also <clears throat> I, I think one of the the best reasons to come to an event like this is of course to support uh, the guadalupe radio network tickets are 75 dollars. there's also going to be an opportunity to uh, make another donation, which is optional. Uh, later that night, we'll have uh, our friend Bishop, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Father Jason Cargo will be doing what we call the ask, you know, to asking if people want to make an additional donation. And so you're supporting the mission of Catholic Radio, whether you're in the Tyler Diocese or Dallas-Fort Worth. You know, we have Catholic Radio stations in both of those markets. And so you'll do that. Also, it's time, a good time to escape the heat. Yes. Unless you're in 2018 where <laughs> nobody escaped the heat because That's the air conditioning went die. out. Oh, that was tough. That was tough. We have asked many times. The air conditioning still up to snuff, right? <laughs> Please. Yeah. Is, is it working? That was, it was working. Thank, uh, thankfully, all of our uh, beautiful attendees were very lovely about it and, uh, we, you know, stayed to the end of the talk and, you know, it was nice. But, um, yeah, that won't happen again. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I, you know, I want to say, uh, you know, Cisco and I were kind of joking around before we started recording about, like, what, what incentive could we give to anybody who, 
uh, buys tickets during this hour, three o'clock hour on Saturday. Uh, and I will say that if you're from the Tyler Diocese and you buy tickets and you come uh, and you buy them during this hour, I want to recognize you at the beginning. Okay, at the beginning of the, the program, I'll say, "Hey, is anybody here from Tyler?" And then you'll, yeah, yeah, yeah you know, definitely. I bought tickets during you know the interview of the week. Uh, so I, I definitely would like to do that. So buy tickets now, SummerSpeakerSeries.com, and come on out Thursday night. Uh, and uh, so you escape the heat, you support Catholic Radio. And the most important thing food. is, yeah, food and <laughs> wine and wine. Yeah. Yes, we have some delicious hors d'oeuvres uh, planned and uh, some delicious wine as well. Our committee loves to uh, figure out what the best wines are to bring. Um, we have some wine connoisseurs, connoisseurs in our uh, group. And uh, yeah, some delicious hors d'oeuvres uh, that we're going to be having. Some sweet and some savory. There's going to be some more like desserty ones. And so uh, the menu looks fantastic. I'm mm-hmm. very excited for that. So uh, come, come hungry for some yummy me uh, little samplings and uh, for wine. Uh. <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, you know, kind of an open wine bar. Uh, it's just, you know, we'll have a red and a white wine. So you come, you get some tasty food. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a quick event. It, mm-hmm. it officially begins at 6.30, but I would recommend you come a little bit early, like maybe 6 or 6.15. Uh, food will be served, but, uh, you know, program begins at 7 o'clock. We'll do uh, prayer, Pledge of Allegiance. We'll have uh, Bishop Strickland. Well, no, then we're doing the Transmitter of the Faith Award. Yes. Which uh, a dear friend and wonderful lady, Carla Lacroix, is going to receive. Diane Xavier is going to introduce her. And then we'll hear from Bishop Strickland. Then we'll have the Ask and then some Q&A. And then pretty much that'll be it. Yeah, absolutely. It's because it's a weeknight. We traditionally have always done this event on a weeknight. And so we want to make sure that we get you in and out of there having a quality event. But then you can get home in time, get the kids to bed or, you know, whatever you need to do, prepare for your work day on Friday. Um, so, but it's a, it's a lot of fun. And we also have a couple of special editions this particular uh, summer speaker series that we've not had before. And the big one being that we are going to have this to scale replica of the Tilma of Our Lady of Guadalupe that uh, St. John Paul II had commissioned years and years ago. Um, and there's a few of them in the world and this one resides at one of the catholic schools here in the dfw area but they are graciously letting us have it at our event because we know we're the guadalupe radio network we have to have our lady there and so it's going to be available for veneration because it's a it's kind of like uh it's in a blessed most you know on a on occasions and so it's a, it's a very beautiful sacred image to have yeah and there's only uh, a number of these i'm not sure the exact number that pope saint john paul ii commissioned and blessed and sent across around the world and our friend ingrid meyer who's going to be bringing it said and this is pretty amazing if you think about it. she said you know the same graces that were available to the people in present-day mexico back in 15th 30, uh, 1531 are available to us now, okay, through veneration. And so if you are desiring a particular petition of our Lord or maybe healing or, or something like that, of course, there's no guarantee. It's all in God's will. But uh, come with that and come with your petitions and venerate the image and, uh, you know, let God's will be done. Absolutely. And another addition that we're going to be having is uh, the year of St. Joseph was last year, right? But uh, we are having a bishop who is named Joseph, who is a very uh, strong bishop. And we also, our uh, theme is about, you know, engaging in battle. And uh, St. Joseph is, you know, the slayer of demons. And so a very awesome title. So we thought it was very fitting to give every single attendee that's coming a small tapestry of St. Joseph, a really beautiful tapestry. We have a large one hanging here in our studios uh, that was from the year of St. Joseph. 
expensive um, that you can take home for you and have it add to your own little like at home altar or whatever prayer space whatever it may be and so yeah every single one of them is going to get it's a really nice material it's kind of almost like a felt or something like that mm-hmm. very very beautiful and it comes with a little few prayer cards as well uh, so everyone who comes is going to get one yeah so that's going to be at the end of the evening it'll be blessed we hope that uh, Bishop Strickland will bless it to also bless everybody in attendance and uh, let's see what else uh, you can have a chance to win some awesome prizes yes. including uh, a like a tapestry of Our Lady Guadalupe, mm-hmm. two different sizes you can choose from. In fact, you can get the like actual size yes. one, um, which you I think like, well, gosh, what would how would I use that? Well, some people go to rallies. Like uh, Ricardo sent me a picture of somebody at the Supreme Court a couple weeks ago when they were deciding on Roe v. Wade, and they had a big banner of Our Lady Guadalupe. So if you like to go to events, you like to have, you want something really big, uh, you can get one of those. And we also have this beautiful bronze statue of Our Lady that uh, probably is the, the most valuable of the, mm-hmm. of the prizes that we have. It's very, very gorgeous. Yeah, absolutely. So those are some of the great things that when during the ask, um, you can get into the drawings for, which is super exciting. We do the drawings right there, too. And uh, I think we'll also have the items there that you can see, right, Dave? Yes, they'll all be there. In fact, we have them all. There's also a, a statue of yes, uh, St. Michael, Michael the, the Archangel. Archangel that's in a box in my office. I haven't even opened it yet. So nice holy things that you can put around your house. Uh, if you, if you'd like those, but most important thing is, uh, you know, we're starting to run out of time. So go online and get your tickets today. If you buy them during this hour, uh, we will hold you in, uh, especially high esteem, uh, some way, somehow, <laughs> uh, maybe there'll be some surprise, you know, you never uh, know. we'll think of something to, to bless you for buying them during this hour. Summerspeakerseries.com, summerspeakerseries.com. And also, Dave, uh, one other subject I wanted to talk about a little bit is that everyone, hopefully in the Diocese of Tyler, knows about this East Texas Pro-Life Teen Leadership Camp that is happening this week. It's literally the kickoff is starting tomorrow evening, Sunday evening. Um, but obviously, I want to invite the people from DFW to come as well. I know we have some leadership uh, awesome pro-life camps here in this area as well. But uh, if you weren't able to make it to that one, maybe you can come out for this one. Uh, and it is uh, put on by the Diocese and the Sanctity of Life uh, Committee and a couple that are putting it on and you can go for a single day for $50 or you could do the full five-day camp for $250 or it's very affordable it's for teens uh, 13 through uh, I believe it was 19 is what the age group was um, and there's some great speakers going to be at it Bishop Joseph Strickland will be there as well and also uh, for one of the nights and obviously not Thursday night because he'll be with us huh. <laughs> but um, also Paul J. Kim if you're familiar with him Dave and uh, yeah. and um Oh, goodness. I always forget this lady's name. Uh, uh, How do you say it? Jackie uh, Francois. Oh, uh, Francois. Francois. That's right. It's very fancy. So I have to forget how to say her last name. Uh, Jackie Francois is also going to be there. So make sure you go to ETX prolifeteen.org. Again, etxprolifeteen.org if you're interested in attending that or one of the days of that. All right. Uh, lots going on across uh, Dallas-Fort Worth as well. And uh, But the, the most immediate thing is this Summer Speaker Series event. And so I want to encourage you to get online, summerspeakerseries.com, summerspeakerseries.com. And, uh, you know, this is a... And one of the things also I want to mention is that at the end of the event... Okay, and we'll all Ooh. be celebrating and, um, you know, thanking the sponsors and Bishop Strickland and blessing the tapestries and all that. The very last thing we'll do is say, hey, save the date for next year's 15th annual Summer Speaker Series event. 
Uh, I can tell you the date. It's going to be July 13th. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a Thursday evening, July 13th. The speaker is going to blow you away. Yep. Okay. Because we've got a really good speaker. And I have, uh, I got to tell you, Cecil, I was at lunch yesterday, oh, no, two days ago with a couple of uh, good friends. And uh, I said, oh, I told them the same thing. And they're like, well, who is it? And I said, well, you know what? I said, we've been talking around the office that we just, we, we cannot, cannot tell, tell anybody. anybody. And I said, so it would be a little bad for me to like re- ask everybody else not to say anything. Yeah, we wouldn't let you back in the office <laughs> if you did that. <laughs> and, uh, and then yesterday I was at Little Angels with uh, uh, Greg and Elva Isley. And I, I don't know even why I bring it up because it's kind of. I do it too, though. Like, like why? Like, we got this great speaker, kind of like what we're doing now. Everybody's yeah. like, well, who is it? Well, who is it? Well, you got to come to the event. Uh, yeah, yeah. You got to come to the event. Because we did the same thing last year with our with Bishop Joseph Strickland at the end of the event with yeah. Father Ricardo. Yeah. We sh- show up a slide and, and people were applauding, standing up, standing ovation in some area so people were like falling in the aisles you know just crying (laughs) Um, but it's it's really a cool moment to be there and like Dave mentioned it's going to be a knock your sock off um, speaker I do it with my friend group I was with the Wayne Women's Club meeting and we were sitting there and they're talking about next year next year and I'm like I can't I have Uh six more days and I can finally or five more days and I can finally tell people you know what I think I'm going to do is at the end of the event uh, because I'll be up there as MC and um, I'm going to say you know we got a great speaker for next year who would you like to see you know and see if like people start screaming Screaming out names and what if they, they don't scream out the name that we actually have? That would be embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, and I'll say go, you know, think big, you know, think, think really big. big. And well, I mean, we've, like we've always Pope. had big speakers. Yeah. Every one of our speakers, I mean, has you know been incredible. I mean, think of the ones that we've had: uh, Father Donald Calloway. Father, I mean, uh, here we go. Father, okay, Father, Father, Father Leo, Father Ricardo, Father, Monsignor Charles Pope, yeah, uh, uh, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, Sivers uh, Father Tom Eidenauer was the first one. Sharon Lee Giganti, Jeanette Bankovic was mm-hmm. was, uh, was one. Uh, Raymond Arroyo. Uh, let's see. Oh, Father Father Robert Spitzer. Yes, Father Spitzer. Yeah. Um, and oh, Father Michael Gately. Uh, mm-hmm. Thirty three days for to Morning Glory Absolutely. is one, and there were uh, missing uh, a couple of them. But uh, oh, Deacon Alex Jones. Have you? Are you familiar with him? Yes, I am. Yes. Yeah, he passed away. God Aww. rest his soul. But uh, he was uh, um, an African American deacon convert. Uh, great story, and that that was a, a really amazing one as well. I think we I think we named uh, most all of them. Yeah, I think so. Okay. So I I was not here for all of them, so I could not tell you if we <laughs> missed any or not. But like Dave said, this event is going to be awesome. And then you're going to find out about next year's event, and you can already start making plans for it. So make sure you get your tickets at summerspeakerseries.com. All right. So are we at the end of the interview now? I'm calling it the end of the interview. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're done. Uh, you know, it's one of those things. You're interviewing me. I'm interviewing you. So We haven't really has- asked each other any questions, though. Oh, Dave, how are you doing today? <laughs> doing well. Thank <laughs> you. And you? I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> all right. There we go. There's the interview. Uh, all right, so bottom line is we want to, to see you next Thursday, the 21st of July, Frontiers of Flight Museum. Uh, it's a summer speaker series event, uh, 13th, the uh, 14th annual. And, uh, our speaker is none other than His Excellency Bishop uh, Joseph Strickland of the Diocese of Tyler. So regardless of where you're listening, we'd just love for you to come. And uh, if you buy tickets during this hour, we'll assume most likely you heard it on the radio and you're coming because of this broadcast. Uh, best case scenario, 10 people Whoa. buy tickets this hour. Wouldn't that be amazing? That would be absolutely incredible. Yeah, just be one of them. Uh, I almost gave out the 800 phone number. No, the, it's not share yet. <laughs> no, so summerspeakerseries.com. 
Awesome. Thank you all so much for listening to both the KTH 910 AM and the uh, Keys 1430 AM interviews of the week. Uh, it's the first time we've done a collaboration like this. It's a little bit confusing, but it's a little bit fun, too. Uh, There's like worlds merging together. Uh, but they're all part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Uh, so thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back again next uh, Saturday with another. Probably couple, not together. Probably not together. Oh, another no. couple great interviews. All right. God bless you. Thanks for joining us for this week's KATH 9:10 a.m. interview of the week. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Catholic news and information pertinent to North Texas Catholics. Please join us again next week at this same time for another KATH 9:10 a.m. interview of the week. Is your facility in need of additional meeting or classroom space, but there's no room in the budget to add on to the building? I'm Glenn Trahan, owner of Modern Fold Door and Specialties and proud sponsor of KATH 910 AM. Modern Fold Door and Specialties can solve your space division problems by installing operable walls to create additional spaces. We also provide repair and service. You can contact us at 214-357-2572 for a free consultation or trwfamily.com. God bless. All married couples in the Diocese of Dallas who are celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary in 2022 are invited to the Golden Anniversary Mass. The Golden Anniversary Mass takes place on Saturday, August 27th at 10 a.m. at the Cathedral Shrine of the Virgin of Guadalupe. The couples and guests are quarterly invited to join the diocese for a reception in the Grand Salon immediately following the Mass. The event is sponsored by the Diocese of Dallas Office of Worship and Evangelization Catechesis and Family Life. Are you a Catholic man looking to make a difference in your Catholic faith or seeking a brotherhood that upholds Catholic teaching and values? Join the Knights of Columbus today. You can join online at knights.net. That's K-N-I-G-H-T-S dot net. By joining online, you'll have immediate access to many things, like the Knights of Columbus highly rated insurance program. Your Catholic family can be protected with life insurance, annuities, long-term care, and disability insurance products by a Catholic company. Experience the Catholic difference and join the Knights of Columbus online today. Knights.net. Hi, this is Dave Palmer with a reminder to download the Guadalupe Radio Network app on your smartphone. It's very simple to do, and once you have the app on your phone, you can listen to a crystal clear signal of this station, KTH 910 AM, 24 hours a day, anywhere you are. If you have any questions about our app or need help setting it up on your phone, contact me through email, davepalmer at grnonline.com.
Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth, and North Texas. Catholic Radio for your soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. 